I greet all of you in the mighty and wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank God that he kept us alive, that he kept us going by his grace, and we are able to enjoy once again the fellowship amongst believers and the fellowship with our living God. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us on television, and I want to ask everybody in this congregation, just give a good welcome to our friends who have joined us on television. For a number of weeks, we have been studying the subject uh, which I have entitled Family Under Attack. And really, we need to understand that as we are looking at that subject, it's a subject which is very, very real. You know, uh, the powers of evil are trying to unsettle the family and marriages for that matter, because that is what uh, you know, is the, the foundation stone for every family. So we understand that, you know, the basis of our society is the family, is marriage. And that's why it is so important that we understand how important a healthy marriage, a healthy family is for our society be, be strong and uh, healthy and powerful to go forward. You know, where the family is strong, a society can be strong. Where the family is undermined and weak, the society ultimately will be sick and uh, it will really die slowly away. So I want to talk about the same sub subject once again, and my subjects, particular subject today is be faithful, conquer temptation be faithful, conquer temptation. Now, let's understand that we are living in the midst of great crisis. We have the HIV AIDS crisis, and this is a serious, serious matter which we cannot just close our eyes to. It's a problem which we are facing, and we as Christians, we must be part of the solution, not be part of a problem. You know, the problem is too big for us to add to the problem. And that's why every child of God is called to be a part of the solution. Every child of God is supposed to be in the forefront of going as an example ahead to go for VCT. There's VCT week. And, you know, we, we need to be examples to show our world that we take responsibility for life. Life is a gift out of the hand of God. And you know, we have a responsibility to keep that gift, which is sacred and holy, wonderfully and well. You know, we must make sure that we protect that life God has given to us. Every single one of us has a responsibility for that life. Now, we know that, uh, you know, within the HIV AIDS circles, there is something which they call the ABC approach. The A stands for abstinence, and that is a very valid uh, point. Uh, the B stands for being faithful, and it's an equally valid point. And the C stands for something we churches have got a different opinion about, and I don't want to go into details, but C can stand for many things, not only for a piece of rubber uh, by the name of condom, but it can stand for care. It can stand for the church. It can stand for what God wants to do through all of us in this crisis of HIV and AIDS. So I want to talk about the issue of faithfulness to one another 
in marriage. I've talked about abstinence various times, and maybe I'm going to touch that here and there, and it's very important, I want to say that just as I begin, it's very important for every young person who is, you know, launching into life to stay away from sex until they have a partner and they get married. I know some people think this is very old-fashioned, but I don't care how old-fashioned it is, it is the right way. And you know, people who are able to abstain are the people who have got backbone, are people who are strong. You know, you may call them old-fashioned, but these are the people who have got strengths because they can control themselves. They can control the drive which is in them until the right time has come. And uh, every one of us, as a child of God, I believe, has the power of God in their lives to enable us to abstain for those of you who are not married and then be faithful for those of you who are married. So be faithful, dash, conquer temptation. Let me take you to the scriptures and I'm going to read from the book of Malachi chapter 2. Now, uh, for those of you who are not married, don't think this is not a message for you. Don't just fall asleep. Don't just walk away. Because, you know, I'm talking about principles which are true for everybody. I'm talking about these principles which are eternally true, given to us by God, whether you are young, whether you are old, it doesn't matter in what situation you are. And I'm not here to bring this word to hammer on somebody. I'm here to lay out the truth of the word of God. Okay? So don't think I've come to hammer you. I'm not. I'm simply preaching the word of God because that is the mandate God has given to me. And I want to be faithful with that mandate. So I want to take you to the book of Malachi, chapter 2, 13. The Bible reads here, Here is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I don't know whether this has ever happened to you that, you know, you feel God is not receiving what you are giving to him. You want to worship, but everything remains cool and dry. And, uh, you know, we all have gone through such experiences where we seem to be far away from God, where we seem to not connect to the living God. Now, these are words which God himself gave to us in the Bible. Now, let me continue. God is saying, I tell you why. You ask, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? And God says, I tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her. So she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to your wife of your use. Praise the Lord. These are very important words. They are just found right at the end of the Old Testament as we are, you know, 
transitioning into the New Testament. Then let me read from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. The Bible says here, Give honor to marriage. Give honor to marriage. Everybody say, Give honor, give honor. to marriage. Praise the Lord. You know, marriage is a very honorable thing. Even so, some people are of the opinion that today marriage is no longer necessary or marriage can be put on the sidelines, but the Bible says marriage is an honorable thing. Amen? And therefore, we need to give honor to marriage. Marriage is powerful and wonderful. And I hope during the time I've been speaking about family and marriage, I hope this has come through in one way or the other. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Remain faithful to one another in marriage. You know, what the world is preaching to us today, and by far not just uh, the church world, but even the secular world where HIV issues are uh, pertinent and very important burning issues. You know, people have thought about this problem and they have come up with this message, be faithful. But this is a message coming from the Bible. Amen? So people who have realized what havoc can be caused by unfaithfulness have adopted a biblical message and talk about being faithful, which I think is a good thing. Amen? But of course, if the world already talks about being faithful, then how much more do we need as the people of God, as children of the Most High, not only talk about faithfulness, but live out faithfulness in our everyday walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, with the partner God has given to us and with the children God has entrusted to our care with our brothers and sisters in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, once again, give honor to marriage because we are talking about this very, very cardinal important truth, and that is marriage. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Okay, this is the word of the Lord. Now, let me give you one more scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 and 32. A powerful word. And I want to focus on that word. It's, a, it's an important word and I, I just want to throw it in even so it's not on your bulletin but it's so important. The Bible says here, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Praise the Lord. So when we talk about marriage, we need to realize and understand that God wants us to see the importance of marriage in the light of eternity, because we are the body of Christ, we are the church of the Lord, and we are going to be united with our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our bridegroom. We are the brides, and we are called to be on his side, not only for 
life until death does us part, but for all eternity yet to come. Praise the Lord. Isn't that good? Amen. So let's uh, get started. I hope you are ready to fly. Now, I've said marriage is under assault and greatly undermined in our world today. Despite people adopting biblical message like the message being faithful, we realize that there are other people who are preaching an opposite message through the kind of parables, or I should say maybe through the, 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 the entertainment which is found in our world, which is quite opposite. You know, time and again you read in magazines, in newspapers, that people do not value the marriage covenant anymore. What held true for more than 5,000 years since uh, human beings are on the face of the earth is suddenly falling apart and seems to lose the value which God had given to it. There is a lot of attack from the secular world onto the values which are found in the Word of God. You know, our whole society, the Western society, the societies which are built on the Christian faith have hold or held dearly the value of marriage. And of course, even other, some other religions do the same. Because they've all recognized that the Christian value of marriage is the basis of the society which we have enjoyed for a long time and we are still enjoying today. But if marriage is undermined, then it will be not going well with our society as a whole. Already today, you can see there are areas in the world where many, many marriages are no longer holding together and children are growing up without their parents. Maybe they have one parent as their, as their guardian or they have no parent. And eventually, a lot of things are taking place because values are no longer planted into these young lives and many of the young people in some of the highly industrialized countries in the world are not aware of what life is all about, the value of life, the future which God has given to them in life. That's very sad. That's the reason why you see sometimes children are growing uh, up with no values, and you see young people walking around with guns, just shooting everybody they can find. It's sad that such things happen, but they do happen. Now, it is sad that there are attacks from the secular world, but you know, we must not worry about the secular world, we must not so much worry about uh, the devil who is, of course, always the enemy of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and every human being who has made Jesus Christ his Lord and Savior. We know that, all right? Those of you who are children of God, I'm sure you know that the devil is trying to put some, you know, locks in your way to make you stumble. That should not worry you. Are you with me? As long as your eyes are on the Lord. You don't need to worry about the stumbling blocks which the Lord is putting in your way. But we must not be blind in our world either. We must understand what is going on in our societies and we must really take a stand for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What we need to be very careful of 
is that we as a church are not compromising the values which God has given to us. Amen? And I think this is very important in the time in which we live because sections of the church these days do not take the Bible so seriously anymore. You know, there are people who are saying, you know, the Bible contains the Word of God and then they choose the words they like and the words they don't like, which is very sad because then who is the judge which one is the Word of God and which one is not? No, let's understand this is the Word of God. It will stand for itself, it will stand righteously and strong as it has stood for the last 2,000 years and it will always defend itself. Amen? It will always be strong and powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword to accomplish the work of our Lord and God. And so we need to make our lives conform to the word of the Lord, not to our own opinions, not to what we feel is right today or what we feel should be done. You know, I can have a certain feeling about certain things, but if the Word of God says, says something else, I have to subject myself as a child of God to the Word of God, whether I like it or not. Amen? So let me show you a few things. As a church, our constitution is right here. Okay? It's the word of the Lord. And we must not bring into disrepute the word of the Lord. You know, if anybody asks you, what is your opinion about A, B, or C? You know, about abstinence, about being faithful, about other things, you know? Go to the word of God and say, this is the value God has given to me, the eternal word of the Lord, and I stand upon that word. It is more powerful than even the concrete on which I stand. Praise the Lord. Now, you know, it is very easy to say amen, and of course I have seen not all of you said amen. Because it's one thing to say amen in church when everybody is there and says, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But it's another thing to live out that truth day to day, okay? Because there are challenges which come to us. And so often it is much easier to cut a corner than to really go through the very truth of the word of God which he has left for us to live by. So we must live what we preach. Amen? And I know what I'm talking about, you know? I'm a preacher. It's very easy to preach something and do something else. Very easy. But I'm held responsible by the Almighty. If I preach something which I'm not keeping, God will hold me responsible to that. And if you are testifying to friends and relatives and neighbors and, you know, classmates or workmates, if you are holding up certain truths and that is not uh, if, that should, should be a, a condition which all of us are following because that's what we are called to do. We are called to be witnesses. Amen? So as a witness, we must talk about the values of God. So if we talk about the values of God, we must keep to those values of the Lord. You know, people need to see us 
say one thing and also do the same thing, rather than hearing one thing and seeing another. You know, I've said this before, whatever you tell your children, it may be the most wonderful thing, but they will always do what you do. So if you are a bad example, your talk will do very little to them. And that is true not only to children, it is true to all of us in the world in which we live in. So, you know, the Bible tells us that the church are the people who are called out of a dark world. And as the body of Christ, we are the salt of the world. And we must hold up the word of the Lord. If we don't do it, we have no right to call ourselves church anymore. Then we are just a club which is judged by other things, the values of this world, but no longer judged as the people of the Most High God. Because our basis is the Word of God and nothing else. Whatever will happen today and tomorrow and day after tomorrow, we are going to be judged by the Word of God. And if we are not conforming to the Word of God, we need to learn to change our life rather than to change the Word of God. Because no one has a right to change the word of the Lord. So I want to tell you, marriage relationship matters to God greatly. It is so important for every single one of us who is married to live in that marriage as responsible people who are, who are having a, a challenge to give love and care to our partner. For those of you who are not yet married, just write it down. You know, you are even fortunate because you have not made any mistake yet. Okay, hopefully. For those of us who are married, we painfully know that once in a while, we are not able to do everything the Lord is asking us to do. Now, we have heard of the book, in the book of Malachi that God is saying some serious words. And I hope you are not so somber today because I've read that scripture and you are, you are thinking today, oh, something is coming over my head. No, don't worry. But we learn very important principles here. You see, the Bible tells us, God himself tells us in this scripture that our relationship in marriage determines our relationship with the living God. Are you with me? Our relationship, I say this again, our relationship in marriage, and I could add our relationship in our family, determines our relationship with the living God. Now, in case you didn't catch that, let me read it again. You see, God is saying, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offering and doesn't accept them with pleasure. So in other words, these people, they were coming to the presence of God, they were coming before the throne of God, they were praying, they were worshiping, they were doing everything which they were supposed to do. And uh, hopefully we all do that, okay? Coming into the presence of God, just like we are in church today, as we should. You know, we should be in church. It's only right for us to be in church. And yet God says, I'm not enjoying what you're giving me. The Bible says, I'm not receiving what you give me with pleasure. You know, God received it with sadness. And why is that so? The reason, as you can read for yourself here, 
is very clear. Because God is not looking at what we say or how we are throwing our hands into the air or how we behave in one way or the other or at the latest gimmicks in town. He is not interested in that. You know, it doesn't matter how much money you can, you know, scrape out of your pocket and give to him, you will never impress him. Even so, giving is important as we know. It's very important because it shows our heart as well. But you see, what God is looking at first and foremost is not the outside, but the inside. The Bible makes it very clear that God looks at our hearts. Amen? And if we are saying one thing but do another, then God cannot be deceived. God cannot be taken for a right whereby we are trying to impress God with one thing and then do something else. And I think we Pentecostals especially, we are some of the culprits, you know, where we love to boast that we are able to worship the Lord nicely, much better than everybody else. We have the best music. We have the best, uh, you know, uh, whatever you can talk about. We have, we have almost, uh, uh, you know, the right to say we are the guys who know how to worship God better than anybody else. But you know, let me say this again. I've said it before. Worship is not just what we think or what we say. Worship is what we do. Amen? Amen? And if our doing and our, our, our expression is different, then God cannot be deceived. But he will say, I cannot receive your worship, I cannot receive your singing, I cannot receive your, 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 your dancing, your clapping, your whatever you do, you know, and, and Pentecostals have invented all kinds of different things. Whistling, you know, waving flags, and all, all kinds of different things. We have, we have been very inventive, you know, coming up with new things all the time. One wave after another, one wave after another. And God says, I'm not interested. Because what I'm seeing in your heart and what you do is not lining up. And so, brothers and sisters, I want you to be clear about that. God looks at our hearts. We cannot deceive God. If we say one thing and we do another, we are hypocrites. Are you with me? I know nobody likes to hear that. You know, but that's true. And you know, as Christians, sometimes we are leaving our home, we are in a hurry, you know, things have not gone well, uh, we make a long face, but just as we come out of our house, we put the, the church face on our, on our front end. And we are smiling. How are you? No, I'm doing so fine. The Lord is blessing. <laughs> but meanwhile, you have left trouble behind. And so, you know, I think it would be good for us if we would become a little more truthful. If you have problems, you know, let people know, I'm going through a hard time, please pray for me. You know, of course, most of us, we are not expecting such answers, you know. Because you say, how are you? And you say, I'm fine too, you know, not even hearing what the other one has said. <laughs> but we must learn to be open to one another as the people of God, as the people who are making the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me say that. Marriage is the very essence 
of human existence. Hello? Marriage is the very essence of the human existence. And this on two levels, okay? On two levels. Number one, we are all born out of a relationship, hopefully a marriage relationship. Isn't it? That is true. That's, that's a human level. But I want to give you another level which is even much, much more important, and that I have read in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32. The Bible says, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Praise the Lord. So we are, we, are, we are coming from a marriage, you know, hopefully we are born out of a good marriage and uh, two people were uniting, otherwise we were not, no, would not be here and our future is a marriage as well. And that is the marriage of the Lord Jesus Christ with his church. Hallelujah. This is the reason why God made us. And the book of Ephesians tells us very clearly that this was always God's plan, that he would adopt us into his family. And the way we are coming into the family of God is not just only as brothers and sisters, as children, but we are coming into the family of God as the bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hey, I want to hear some hallelujahs here. You know, I'm getting excited because one day the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is walking down the aisle of heaven and going to be united with Christ forever and ever. And God is, is, is waiting, the Father is waiting for Jesus to introduce, uh, to, to have Jesus introduce his bride and say, this is my bride. I have given my life for them. I have shed my blood for them. Here it is, my bride, the bride of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's our future. You know, that's why we are here today. Most of us, we don't really think about this much. But this is true. This is what the Bible says. So once again, our relationship in marriage, especially to those who are married, determines our relationship with God. You know, if we are unfaithful to our marriage partner, then... God will not receive us because he will deem us unfaithful also to himself. That's very important. Okay? You cannot say, God, I love you, but I don't love my wife. Or I don't love my husband. Because the word of God says, how can you say that you love the man or the woman you see when you do, you, you know, you're claiming, you're claiming you are loving the Lord, you don't see the God in heaven, but the one you see, you are putting aside. And yet God is a tough God, you know. God is not a sugar, sugar daddy God. God is a holy God. Praise the Lord. And I tell you, if you cannot live with your husband, if you cannot live with your wife very well, then how will you live with a holy God who cannot cut any corner at all? Hmm. I'm telling you, that's not easy. You see, most of the time, we human beings, and I know what I'm talking about because I am one, okay? Don't think, oh, Pastor Roy is a man of God. You know, we are all human. 
First of all, we are all human beings. Whether I'm a preacher or I'm not a preacher, it doesn't matter. We are all human beings. And nobody should be just lifted up on a high, on a high pedestal because, you know, the higher you go, the, the deeper you can fall. So I'm, I'm here to serve you. I'm a servant. I'm not, I'm not a great man of God. I'm, I'm a man of God who is just equally to you because you are men and women of God too. Provided you walk in the ways of the Lord. Amen? And that's what we are called to do. So God is calling us to live out his word in our lives every single day. Praise God. Are you with me? God desires to have fellowship with every single one of us. Just like a woman who is married to her husband wants to have the fellowship with her husband. Just as the husband who is married to a beautiful wife wants to have that fellowship with his wife. In the same way, God is looking forward to have fellowship with the people he has redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. Amen? So understand that your marriage relationship to God or your marriage relationship is very important to the Lord. You know, he looks into our lives and he sees whether we are just mere talkative people or whether we mean what we say. Amen? Because remember, what we tell him, he will check it from the temperature of our hearts. Now, God is saying another very important word here. He is reminding the people of Israel to remember their marriage vows. Let me just read for you quickly verse 14. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. You know, the Bible tells us if you make a vow, you have to keep it. It is not a sin not to make a vow, but if you make a vow, you better keep it. Okay? For those of you who are not yet married, if you think you cannot keep the vow, better don't make one. But if you have made it, you are bound by it. All right? But you have been unfaithful to her, so she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? He wants you to stay together, you know, love each other, bring godly children up into the world, and guard your heart, remain loyal to your wife, the wife of you, you praise the Lord. That's what God is looking for. Remember your vows. You see, when we get married and come to church, some people, they are, they are going to the council because it's very easy to go back to court and uh, cut the tie again. But when you come to God, you're giving promises before God. Let me read the marriage vow which we 
ask all our couples to give when they are getting married, you know? It says, I, and then the name of the person who is making the vow is mentioned, now take you, and then the other name is mentioned, to be my husband or wife, depending on who is saying it, according to God's holy ordinance. To have and to keep from this day forth, whether better or worse. Hello? <laughs> whether better or worse. You don't know the future, I don't know the future. But the Bible is calling us to give a vow to one another, okay? A marriage vow, and the, the Lord says, I have heard the vow you have made to your wife, to your husband. I've heard it. Okay? So, whether better or worse, whether richer or poorer, hmm, in, a, in a time when uh, uh, we are living in the great seas, you know, cash, what is that? Cash, uh, car, uh, cell phone, and all these other seas, you know, are, are taking over the values of, of so many people. We must understand that the vow is standing, whether richer or poorer, okay? In sickness and in health. To love and to cherish. Until what? Until I decide to divorce. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. Until separated by this. You know, the Bible says you are, you are bound to your marriage partner until one of you is called. And once one is, is taken away by the Lord through this, then you are free again. That's what the Bible says. Until separated by this. And now to you, that is the other person, and to God, and that is very serious, you know, because when you make a vow to the Lord, this is a serious business. You know, I usually talk about the vows, you know, and uh, none of the couples has ever said, I'm refusing to give such a vow. It's very interesting. Everybody is ready to give that vow. But there are a number of people who are not prepared to keep the vow. Okay? So, now to you and to God, I make this solemn vow and promise. I made this vow and promise to my wife about nine, 29 years ago. Today, it's the 29th, huh? But it's not 29 days, 29 years ago. That's a long time. And I was very much aware when I was making that vow that it was not going to be simple and easy to keep that vow. And you know, I didn't make that vow because I knew I have enough power to keep the vow. I knew exactly that I was a human being and I said, Lord, help me to keep that vow. And even today, after 29 years, I still need the power of God to keep my vow to my wife. I still need the grace of God. I still need the forgiveness of God. I still need so many other things in order to be found truthful to the vow which I made to my wife and to my God. Amen? And it's a very serious business. You see, we have promised, those of us who are 
married and who have given a vow to our partners that we love each other in all circumstances. It doesn't matter what happens. And I believe when we go into a marriage, you know, as children of God, knowing that the God who has given us life is the same God who gives us grace to get married to a person whom God himself has made available to us. I believe the two people who are entering into marriage as Christians, people who have decided to serve the Lord, that they will be able to be faithful to each other to the very end. I believe that with all of my heart. And I'm not saying that because my marriage, my and my wife's marriage has been always easy. I mean, we have faced our problems. We have faced the dark valleys of this world. We have faced the challenges. But you know, God has called us to be faithful to each other and we have made that promise before him and we have got to keep that promise. And brothers and sisters, we have got to keep that promise. Now God is checking us out. He's looking at our lives, at our hearts to see whether we do what we say. You know, in the book of Daniel, there's the story of Belsasa, which, uh, you know, is, is very interesting. And, and God speaks one day in a very strange way. There is a handwriting on the wall, you know, many take a parsing and so on. And, uh, of course, nobody knows what it means. And then they were looking for somebody who can tell them what it means. And eventually they find Daniel, and Daniel says, you have been weighed and found wanting. You have been weighed and found wanting. You know, God puts us on his scale, every single one of us. The Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord are scanning the whole earth so that he finds those who are seeking him and who want to serve him. He's, he's fully aware of every human being. And if you have nothing to hide, you can say, Amen, hallelujah, this is wonderful. But not everybody is very happy about that fact, you know? Because sometimes we are hiding things, isn't it? And I want you to be clear about one fact, that it doesn't matter what you hide, you can fool the whole world, but you cannot fool God. You have weighed and you have been found wanting. Now let me tell you very clearly that it is hard work to maintain a good marriage. It is hard work. It's never simple. It's never easy. It's never a walk on golden streets. We are still in a world with many difficulties and hardships. Amen? Every marriage needs constant, and I say constant, investment and constant maintenance. Okay, nothing will fall into your lap for free. I want to tell this to especially young couples. You know, don't think immediately you walk into marriage, or those of you who want to get married, you walk into marriage, everything is going to be bliss. No, it will be hardship. It will be difficult. Sometimes you will have quite a number of pains to go through. But marriage is wonderful. It always pays you back richly if you 
master the difficulties and the hardships you go through. Now, I want to make a very strong statement here. And that is what we read here in the Word of God, not one time, but many times. You know, honor marriage. Remain faithful to each other in marriage. Remember your marriage vows. My challenge to you as a couple, and even those of you who are in an engagement or in another relationship, erect a fence of protection for your marriage. Protect a fence of protection for your marriage. What does this mean? You know, I'm saying here, be accountable to each other. And here I'm touching a very hot issue, you know. I'm coming back to the cell phone. You know, today we are all carrying cell phones, at least most of us. And I've seen many couples, they're keeping their, you know, or, or, or you know, husbands or wives, they're keeping their cell phone very close to them and they don't want their partner to look into their cell phone. You know, maybe the wife is trying to reach out to the, to the, to the cell phone of the husband or the other way around. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> I want to tell those of you who are not married, please, when you enter marriage, must, you must make sure that you have your cell phones in common. Okay? The Bible says the two will be one. So how comes there are two different cell phones which are off limits? <laughs> it doesn't work, my friend, it doesn't work. You know, we need to be accountable to each other. If we are to protect one another, we need to be accountable to each other. You know, I want to help my wife to be protected and she does her best to protect me. And for that to happen, you know, we are sometimes weak, we can slip. And we can allow something to happen in our, in, our, in our life. But if we are accountable to one another, it will immediately come out. And you can say, I'm very sorry. You know, I, I shouldn't have done that. When you hide it, first of all, it will breed mistrust. Okay? Why is he keeping his cell phone away from me? And of course, it can only mean one thing. Am I joking or not? It can only mean one thing. I don't care who you are and what you say, but it can only mean one thing. There's something you don't want your partner to know. And that is of evil. Okay? That is of evil. If you are really married and you are to be one, that is of evil, I'm telling you. You see, it pains me every time I hear partners in marriage talk about the, her family or his family. It's not good, you know? Because there are different families quite all right, but you are one. You are one. What is important is the two of you in marriage. You are to handle every other subject, whether it's in-laws from one side or from the other side, they are just all on the equal levels, but the two of you are one. 
You are in marriage to help building each other. And so I think the cell phone is one of the gauges which we can use. You know, it's a, it's a modern tool, but it has become a, a, a havoc causer in many marriages. Now, let me be clear, it's not the fault of the cell phone. Okay? Don't bedevil the cell phone, because the cell phone is innocent. It's the people who use it who are at fault. Are we together? The people who are misusing it, who are at fault. The Bible tells us in the book of Song of Solomon, and of course most of you who got married, you must have read that. You know, if you are a child of God, you must have read that. But the Bible tells us here, catch the small, catch, catch all the foxes, the little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. There are little foxes in every marriage. The cell phone is one of them. Okay? Which we need to be keeping very, in a very good way, you know? I tell you, you should not have secrets with your partner. The secrets should come, be some common secrets, not that you keep things away from each other. You know, when I go somewhere, I let my wife know where I'm going. If I give somebody a lift from the other opposite sex, I let her know. Hello? Because I don't want her, somebody to tell her, you know, I've seen your husband driving with the hoo hoo <laughs> It's very important. You know, you may say, ah, that's not important to me. I can do whatever I like. You can do whatever I like, what you, whatever you like, but you must understand that you are not alone in this world. As married people, you have to take care for each other. And you have to catch these little foxes and get rid of them out of your life because they are destroying the love between the two of you. They are undermining the care and the, 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 the confidence you had for each other when you first got married, and they are destroying your devotion and your love to one another. So, my dear friends, we must learn to be accountable to one another. I have no problem to be fully accountable to my wife. I love to share with my wife everything I, I go through. And she does the same. And there's no problem. You know, in fact, that is what made our marriage strong. And I want you to do the same thing. The Bible says, remember your marriage vows. Remember the wife of your youth. Mm, I love that. You know, by the way, this is the word the Lord gave me when I prayed, when I first saw my wife, and of course she was not my wife, and I prayed, Lord, is this the right one? God gave me that word. And he said, this is the wife of my youth. And she still is, even today. Let me read it for you. It's a beautiful scripture, okay? And I read it from the New Living Translation because it is good to understand. Some of the older translations are a bit hard to understand what is really meant here. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 10, it says, Strangers will consume your wealth, and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. 
In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. And I hope this is not a description for you in days to come. That's why it's important to heed the warnings. Verse 13. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. And now the answer comes, you know, so that you are not found in such a situation. Verse 15 says, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Hallelujah. Eh? Be faithful, in other words. You know, when temptation comes, share that temptation with your partner, your wife or your husband, because then you can stand strong. Even if you would have become weak, together you can stand strong. Praise the Lord. And I know that, you know, everybody who got married one day, they got married to be happy in their marriage. I haven't seen anybody yet who says, I got married so that I can become miserable. So why do you want to turn away from that wife of your youth, from that young, handsome man of your youth, and go to somebody else? Because these some other people, you know, they may not be able to give you. You don't know yet what is behind. God says, be strong and stand in that relationship and make that relationship work. So erect a fence of protection in your marriage and for your family. Accept God's word in all circumstances. And I say this again. Accept God's word in all circumstances. You know, sometimes the word of God will speak to you and it will condemn you. You know, I have seen the word of God condemn me. And I would rather the word of God condemns me and I repent and I know I'm safe and sound in the hands of the Lord because I've turned away from the wrong ways. Then to squeeze the word of God, twist it the way I want it to be, and then at the end, stand in the judgment of God and God saying, you have defiled my words and you have defiled yourself. Let's understand, God wants us to be faithful to our one marriage partner. Amen? Don't give yourself permission to violate the word of God. You know, some people are trying to find excuses now because, you know, this thing happened and this thing happened. You know, these are all, you know, just mere excuses. There is no excuse we have a calling to abide by the word of God. John chapter 15 says it very clearly that we should abide in the word of God. Just like a, a branch abides in the vine, so we must abide in Jesus Christ. And I have no excuse whatsoever to say, no, because of this happened or because of the other happened, yeah, I couldn't do. You know, it's because of our selfishness that we are trying to cut corners, go out of the right way. And God has given us the Scripture, the word of the Lord, so that we are standing before the word of God and only the word of God is able to give us righteousness. If, it, if anybody needs to be condemned, it's not the word of God. You understand? It's us, where we have gone wrong, where we have done things which are not right. We need to grow 
grow together in marriage, grow together husband and wife, any other gross, you know, a gross with a girlfriend or a boyfriend is cancerous gross. And cancer, as you know, is very dangerous. It's growing in the wrong direction. You know, it's not a question of growing under all circumstances. No, it needs to be right gross, healthy gross. Amen? So God is challenging us to seek the presence of God for our family. And here I want to say another very important thing. And if you can, please write it down. Our proximity to God determines our sensitivity to his commands. Our proximity to God determines our sensi sensitivity to his commands. What does this mean? The further away we are from God, the more we think or the more insensitive we are to the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. We think, ah, God will just close the eye and everything will be okay. Okay? The closer you are to God, the more you will recognize the holiness of God, the more you will be standing empty and even naked before the living God and know I need salvation. I need to be cleansed by the holy God. You see, you have a tendency in our days where people declare, ah, it's all right, you know, we are living in a modern time, so it's okay. When we know exactly it is not okay. When we know exactly the word of God says something completely different. The reason is that somebody who is far away from God will always think it's all right. But somebody who is in the presence of God will know it is not all right. Let me give you a, a quick word from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. We, re, we have read this uh, scripture before. It was in the year when King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. With two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. Their voices shook the temple and its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over, I'm doomed for I'm a sinner.